Hello, uh, my name is William Morgan, broadcasting from Denver, Colorado, and this is 42 Minutes, a production of the Syncbook Radio that you can find at thesyncbook.com. Now, if you're a new listener, this is a weekly conversation with the interesting artists and thinkers of our day. Um, today is the 17th of June, 2013, and let me introduce you to my friend Doug. Hi. Uh, this evening, we're all going to try and awaken in the dream with our guest, Paul Levy. Mr. Levy is an artist and a spiritually informed political activist, a pioneer in the field of spiritual emergence. He is a healer in private practice, assisting others who are also awakening to the dream-like nature of reality. He is the author of The Madness of George Bush, a reflection of our collective psychosis, and Dispelling Watiko, Breaking the Curse of Evil, both of which are available on his website, awakeninthedream.com. He also contributed a chapter to last year's Sync Book, Volume 2, entitled Catching the Bug of Synchronicity. You can contact Mr. Levy at awakeninthedream.com, and he looks forward to your reflections. Welcome. Thank you for coming on. I am, no, I'm, I'm really happy to be here, so thank you for having me. You bet. It's it's a treat, and I can see why Alan chose your essay as the the one to lead the book off with. The it, opener. Yeah, yeah, very appropriate. It's a, oh, a nice introduction into both the concept of synchronicity and then your own your own uh, mindscape, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. The thing that interests me, the thing that I recognized, is you used, in in doing a little bit of research on you, this piece is called The Bug of Synchronicity, and you specifically use bug because you're talking about uh, Carl Jung's famous scarab beetle sink. Mm-hmm. Oh, all, man, I feel so stupid that I didn't catch that. But then you also speak of the Wetiko thing also as a bug. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just curious about this because one of the things that's come up a lot in our conversations is the notion of trickster synchronicity. And mm-hmm. so I'm wondering how these two concepts square. Sure. Well, they actually do have to do with each other in the sense that in the in the article when I'm talking about to catch the bug of synchronicity and you know there's the famous synchronicity with with the scarab beetle that you know I talk about in in the article um, the idea being that um, when one has the the point of view uh, that sees synchronicities in the world and that is open to the synchronistic sort of like um, you know phenomena happening, that that point of view is, is contagious. That really like you know psychically right. we're not separate from each other, and so that's where I was playing off of the words where in the synchronicity Jung actually caught this beetle that flew into the room. And I was talking about catching, you know, catch to catch the bug because it's contagious. The right. idea being when you hang out with people who are in sync with each other, it, it creates a contagious field um, that where we can all help each other to deepen our awakening. Similarly, though, it's a quantum phenomena. And what I mean by that is that, well, it's potentially, you know, this positive phenomena or this negative phenomena in the sense that in my new book, I talk about this actual um, parasite of the mind, like the psychospiritual disease of the soul that operates through the blind spot. And if you don't see it, then you become a, a carrier um, through which that, you know, kind of um, 
mind parasite actually enacts itself through you and it will feed off of and into the same blind spot on other people so it becomes contagious in a, in a you know a similar way but in a negative way where people just create a minefield that is very um, susceptible to, to you know to help people to fall asleep okay hmm. so I mean the thing that's interesting to me is you just said that we kind of produce like a field when we're together and you make that point in the piece as well when you're discussing how the sink was for young and also his patients and it was like the two of them that created the event if that's mm-hmm. a good word mm-hmm. to use right um, exactly well the this you know what we're talking about here is synchronicities and there's been a whole bunch of offshoots and and slang terms like sync and like synchros and like synchromystics and and one of the things that some individuals do is they like to pinpoint sinks that are in other individuals like aura to use that term that they're not aware of so i'm wondering what you think about that and and how that would work i mean do you believe in such a thing there's one gentleman that we interviewed once before who who wrote a book called demystifying synchronicities and and one of the things that he said when we, when he was asked he's like no you have to have a person to see the synchronicity. They're like these little messages that we send ourselves to fix problems that we're having. However, that's not what I'm seeing in my own experience. So I'm wondering what you think on that as well. Do we have synchronicities that we're not aware of? Yeah, well, the thing is, I mean, when, for me, and I try to, you know, to express this in the article and in my book too, um, the thing about a synchronicity is that this, 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 this whole like um, sort of whatever, like, world we're in is not it doesn't objectively exist in an independent way um, that's separate from us as the observer so the point is is that any synchronicity we're actually calling forth you can't separate out the synchronistic phenomena from the person who's observing the synchronistic phenomena the two are two sides of the same coin and one of the things that I contemplate in the, <laughs> in the article is that um, you know, when people come together, there's a field that gets conjured up between people. And it's a feed. So in other words, like if you and I are hanging out, I'm actually dreaming you up out of your, the infinity of your, you know, of like, you know, the possibilities that you, you could, you could actually incarnate as I'm like actually dreaming you up in a certain way, but you are dreaming me up to dream you up and vice versa. So it's this circular, nonlinear, a causal field which is always happening. You know, it's not just some sort of theory. It's like when you when you develop ICC, it just becomes clear. But then you discover, oh wow, the thing with the synchronistic um, sort of phenomena is that not only is it a function like you know, as we open our eyes um, to see them more, they actually happen more. But actually, and not only are so the idea of being open to them is one of you know the things that's important. But on the other hand, too. And like in the article I talk about this, is that they're not just these passive acts. We actually participate and are co-creating each other's, um, you know, synchronistic phenomena. And that's really interesting because that implies and points at that we're actually participating in our own uh, process of awakening. And that really get, that gets my attention big time. It made me think of Greek drama, where the gods are trying to pull these strings and the different characters are in, in, interacting in a complex web together, but it goes actually deeper than that, in that 
And and that would would lead to my question: the nature of you speak of the unus mundus, and mm-hmm. and so this gets towards like fate and uh, free will, you know, determinism, and then also like the idea of God's plan. Where do you? How do you feel about those heavy concepts? Yeah, and I mean, that's an interesting idea. All I know is that when, I, when I'm in a dream and I have, you know, the awareness that I'm, that I'm in a dream and, and that I'm aware of the nature of my situation, you know, which is to say that I'm, I'm having the recognition that I'm dreaming, you know, then all of a sudden it's just a present moment experience. The idea of you know determinism or god's will it's not even it's at that point it's just an idea that can actually get in the way of the present moment experience and you know so i mean keep in mind these ideas that you're bringing up are are profoundly deep contemplations that you know we can we can contemplate from you know a whole different points of view but I'm just talking about that when you actually see this as a dream, and I'm not just talking the night dream, I'm talking the actual the waking dream that we're sharing right now, then it's like all, you know, the idea of whatever, like conceptualization just dissolves because you're just in the moment and you're aware that you're simultaneously being dreamed by something deeper than your ego and at the same time, you're also the dreamer, and you're both simultaneously. And that we can't grasp with our mind, with our conceptual mind. It, well, and so, yeah, I mean, and it puts me in mind of, you know, Gnosticism, where, well, so here, how about this? One of the things that I appreciate in your piece is you give this hard definition of synchronicity. You say synchronicities are crystallizations in linear time of a nonlinear, a-causal, a-temporal process. They're windows into the realm outside of time and space, a world in which we ourselves are active participants and uh, participants in and of the one creative act. And so mm-hmm. the, the one creative act is the dream? Yeah, like we're on the cutting edge of, of the Big Bang right, right now. And so the one... Oh, I get it. <clears throat> we're one, on the edge of the creation. one creative act. Well, I'm sorry. What's that? Well, we're on the edge of creation. It's like what you just said, the one creative act. Right, it absolutely. Never, it never we're, on the, we're, we're on the edge of creation, right? And we're actually participating in that. And, you know, so one way of understanding this is like, like you know, going back to like you had said, oh, I have this, this definition of synchronicity that really spoke to you. Well, you know, what I'm trying to point out in my piece in the book is that um, – one really very, very clear way of understanding like uh, the synchronistic idea and phenomena is that similar to like when you have a dream, your inner, you know, if you think about it, in a dream, you know, whatever's playing out in the dreamscape is a reflection, is an expression of what's going on inside of you, who's the dreamer. Because what is the dream? But it's a, it's a projection, it's an externalization of your inner process, just actually conjured up as the seemingly other outside dream. But it's not, it's, it's, it's an unmediated, unmediated expression, not separate from who you are, which is the dreamer. Well, in the same way with synchronicities, you know, you, it's like at those moments, all of a sudden you get in phase in a certain way and you actually have the recognition 
that, oh, my God, this, this world that I'm inhabiting is actually similar to a dream in that it's speaking symbolically and it's actually reflecting my inner process. And, and it actually might be doing that 24-7 and maybe only some of the times we have the eyes to see that. But that's very interesting because that's what in my work I'll talk about the dreamlike nature and that's what I'm pointing at. As a, a funny aside, as I was rereading your piece today at lunch, I, I got to the, the portion where you're, you're explaining how both Jung and his patient ended up becoming participants in each other's lives. And right as right, I was in each other's in each other's synchronicity. Yes. Right. Right. So they're sharing that synchronicity together. The the act depends on each of them playing their role. And then as I'm reading that, I glanced up, and then a person who often brings synchronicity into my life like made eye contact as I'm reading that passage. <laughs> so it's just right. the funny little winks that you get from the same. Right. Yeah. I wonder what the bug was thinking. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> right. That must have been one wrong, wild ride for that thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, anyway, yeah. Uh, but now you mentioned you that mentioned leads to that... one one thing that I I do have to mention, which is so if if you know you said the the definition that I appreciated, then there's the proof is um, the transformation and the meaningfulness. You know, so like anyone mm -hmm. can say coincidence. Right. But coincidence with, with transformation, you know, is meaningful. And whether or not you call it synchronicity or coincidence doesn't matter at that point. Yeah, it's like somebody who has a life-changing synchronicity. And then there's somebody else who's trying to talk them out that it was something, you know, really meaningful. Well, it changed their life. It, there's nothing you're going to do to convince them that it, would, that it didn't have a deeper meaning, right. you know. And so in that sense, there's nothing, you know, people can talk all they want about, oh, it's it's just mere coincidence and there's nothing deeper going on and it, it's just meaningless. Right. It's, it's, we often talk about how it's a, you, you had to have been there type of situation. Do you know what I mean? Right. That's what it's so hard to get across the full impact of the synchronicity because it, you were up in your head when you were experiencing it to begin with. And some people just explain it away so easily. Um, I'd like to talk to you about fiction and as far as like our media goes, I'm talking about pop culture and movies and so forth and so on. To me, those are kind of a collective dream. What do you think – how do you feel about archetypes and you know, so many people that are in this field see them as a negative thing, but they seem to be something that manifests on their own, like naturally. Oh, yeah. No, they're not negative. I mean they're the, they're the sort of the skeletal the, – the, the, the structure – um, upon which the psyche is kind of created and our experiences are overlaid and our perception is based. So they're, they're neither positive nor negative, you know, I mean, and, um, and so, yeah, but the thing about, you know, I mean, pop culture is expressing, I mean, it's really expressing some, you know, potentially this, this, this deeper place in us, you know, that we're becoming conscious of. But it also, you know, you see the thing about particularly with the mainstream media, um, you know, that's why I see that as that's the propaganda, that's the org, the propaganda organ of these sinister, darker forces that are kind of, you know, helping to keep us asleep, you know. And so just one more thing about pop culture. I mean, I think it's incredibly important, like in my new book where I talk about, 
you know, really shedding light on this, on, on like evil and like healing from this virus of the mind that's creating incredible like the suffering for us. I talk about the profound importance of tapping into um, being creative and being, you know, these, these creative artists, that that is the way to dispel evil and that is the way to help us wake up. And it totally dovetails into the whole point of view of what we're talking about with like, you know, the NSYNC book in the sense that the thing about the synchronicities that I was trying to point out in my article is that they're not just these passive acts, but we're actually, we're participating in our own um, sort of like, you know, kind of continued like um, the evolution of of each of us and our species. Mm-hmm. And when you see that, then all of a sudden you begin to put your awareness on, wow, how can I actually actively, you know, create whatever my circumstance and myself in a way that's helped, it's going to help me to even further my, my whole awakening and even potentially help other people. And when other people are holding the same point of view and we all come together, that's where it becomes like this, this bug that's contagious. And that's the non-local field that gets conjured up that's potentiated for awakening. The sink bug. The sink bug. I like it. The sink bug. Yeah, totally. We should yeah, create a new name. In... <laughs> Why not? <laughs> well, so one of the other things that I recognize, though, is so you were speaking of archetypes. Um, I also recognize sometimes that psychic weather comes over the whole of everything, and it seems to want to push certain buttons, you know. And and if mm-hmm. people are wearing certain like archetypes or outfits, they end up falling into roles that aren't necessarily healthy or so I, it's, 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 it's a, it feels like ever since, uh, Terrence McKenna's time wave zero, uh, 2012 apocalypse that we've been kind of in this really strange bipolar up and down where we're having high highs and then low lows. I thought that was just you, Doug. <laughs> it might be my dream. That might be my portion of the dream. I'm just curious <laughs> if you're experiencing something similar. Yeah, well, I'm I'm definitely experiencing that it's a super intense time, and that time almost seems to be taking on a different quality than before. And you're really right with the spiritual, like this, this weather or something that will come over, and there'll be a certain, you know, all of a sudden – um, something will be in the air and then people will get conjured up to pick up these different, to play out these figures and pick up different like voices, roles. And, you know, then you begin to realize, oh my God, that's, that's always what's happening. But it's different when you add consciousness to it, because then when you're conscious of it, you can, even when you're half unconscious and you're, you're, you're getting dreamed up in somebody else's dream to play something out so you can give yourself space to to just you know to just descend into the unconscious and embody that if that's what you're getting conjured up to do while at the same time you're self reflecting or even at you know maybe not in the moment maybe in the moment but maybe the moment after and that's what a shaman does that's that's the shamanic going back and forth between the worlds and the point is, is that when you add consciousness to it's what, what you're describing, that's like this dreaming up process. 
that I've all of my work is about that we're 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 reciproc we're you know reciprocally dreaming each other up to play out our unconscious and what I mean by that is like say if I go to sleep tonight and I have an un- like this wound that's unconscious well it's going to show up in my dream because what is my dream but my unconscious just like actually getting you know conjured up and in the same way in my waking life if I have an unconscious part this wound. Well, I'm going to connect the dots on the waking inkblot and unwittingly dream up my unconscious part in my life, and I'm going to play it out. And if I don't have consciousness of what I'm doing, I'm just going to reinforce it again and again and again, thinking it's outside of me. So I'm actually reacting to my own, uh, to actually, you know, my own energy. And I'm getting conditioned by my own reflection again and again, and I'm caught in samsara. But when you see that, and particularly when you hang out with other people who see it, that's the key. Then there's a real, like, that's the, the, the uh, community of the Buddha, the actual, the Sangha. The, the, you know, you have a group of people who are awakening to the dreamlike nature. Then you can play out your stuff, but in the container of your shared awareness. And that container then becomes this vehicle where all of you can help each other to awaken. And that's evolutionary, and that's what's available to us as we more and more actually step into our awakening and come together to help ourselves to even deepen our awakening. Well, that's great. <laughs> so it sounds yeah, like... Yeah, good news. I know, it's great news. <laughs> it, well, it sounds like you're pretty hopeful. Oh, well, I'm pretty hopeful because that's, this is what I'm, I'm bringing this forth in my life, and I'm doing it. This is what I do every day, and I have all these groups and circles you know, people who are doing this, it's not just some sort of crazy theory. It's just something, I mean, I've been doing this for close to 20 years and it's changing people's lives. And, you know, it's kind of like I've coined the term, you can conspire to co-inspire. So it's like a, a true conspiracy theory where you activate like the collective genius of of e- each person in a way and you, you come together in a way where the whole is, is way greater than the sum of its parts. And that's what's available to us for people who are actually awakening, you know. So, yeah, I'm totally hopeful. So there's also a part of me that's drawn to the darkness, though. And sure. Then, and then I sometimes – so uh, this – it's the notion of like Room 237 where in The Shining, that's the the place you're not supposed to go. It's Pandora's box or it's the apple. But then what is it about the forbidden fruit that draws us – and then is that the blind spot, maybe? Or Well, that's that's a really interesting question because, you know, in, in a lot of like, you know, like these deeper esoteric like sort of mythologies and symbol systems, where the darkness is in the shadow is where the self is. So it's like the secret of the self of, of our wholeness actually is encoded in the darkness. And that's one of the main things I talk about in my book. You know, here I'm contemplating evil, really. It's like a deep contemplation on the nature of evil. And I'm more and more unpacking and and discovering that, oh, my God, encoded in evil, it's actually helping us to wake up. You know, that if we actually contract and don't want to look at it and have avoidance of it, that unwittingly feeds it. If we become too fascinated with it, then we just become taken over by it. And that, that feeds it, too. But if we see it and actually see that, oh, wow, the evil that's out there, the darkness that's out there is a reflection of the darkness in myself. And then all of a sudden you have the awareness, oh, wow, and I'm, I, I have, I'm like this, this sovereign being, and now I can choose where I place my awareness. And now instead of just you know, in an obsessive way 
obsessing on the darkness. I can, I can put my attention on creating the world I want to live in. That's where you invoke yourself as creator. So, yeah, the whole thing about the darkness and the shadow, that's profoundly important. And, you know, a lot of people I know who are well-intentioned people, spiritual people, they don't even want to talk about the darkness or the shadow or evil. And it's very sad because unwittingly in their, in their being avoiding of it, they're, they're feeding it. Hmm. You know, it's so weird. I'm, I'm sorry, but, okay, I'll have to explain the sink a little bit. So there's all of these movies coming out right now that have to do with dark. You know, there's a new Thor that has dark. There's a new Star Trek that has the word dark, 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 dark. Right, right. And, and everything that's going on with black, um, this oh, – I just went on vacation, and we watched a lot of movies, and all the movies on HBO right now are Game of Shadows, Sherlock Holmes, or or Dark Shadows with Johnny Depp. It's just dark, dark, dark. And then I'm in Colorado Springs, and the black forest goes up in smoke, and we can see it. But right. while while we're camping, you know, while we're going hiking and going here and going there, there's all of these markers that talk about forest fires that happened and created new growth. So it's just interesting to hear you talk about this. You know, we're talking about the darkness and we're talking about the shadows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one way of under from the dreaming point of view is that you know when you have a dream and all of a sudden this darkness is coming into the dream. Right, it's not just hidden underground or in the corners, but it's coming out. Well, that's an expression that there's light nearby, you know. Um, so the fact that all of this shadow and darkness and evil, you know, like the the powers that be aren't even hiding their evil anymore. It's just out for anybody who has open eyes to see. <laughs> and like I'm saying, from the dreaming point of view, that's an actual expression, you know, that there's incredibly powerful source of light that's nearby. Hmm. Oh, I think of Bilderberger. You know, everything is Bilderberg right now. Bilderberg meeting Bilderberg, Bilderberg, and how that used to be such a hidden thing in the shadows and the underworld. Now it's like a yeah, freaking festival. Yeah, now all the the whole you know people who are going, it's all out all over the internet and stuff. You know. Another component of of the ad, not adversaries, but the agents of the dark are Whitley Strieber's visitors. Mm-hmm. You know, and so this is another of those synchronous synchronicity realms, but more really challenging. Have you had any experience with with the UFO type element to this aspect? Yeah, I, I have. Um, but you know, in my in my dreams at night, I had, and um, but I I had what I was having was more the flavor because that's like one flavor. But what I was having in my waking life when I had my awakening, so I, you know, I had an awakening in 1981 that just changed my life. I mean, just radically changed my life like, like that. And stuff began happening in my life that was physically impossible to happen. And it was happening on a regular basis. And it was the, the sort of stuff that could only happen in a dream. And yet I was in this, this waking dream. And it was as if something was being actually, you know, sort of taught to me or I was being like shown something. And then, you know, what happened, I mean, I don't know if you guys know, but during the early stages of this, I was so in such an ecstatic state of what I was realizing. Because, you know, when you're realizing, oh, my God, we're having a mass shared dream and this is great news and (laughs) this could really help everybody. But I hadn't developed the container within myself. I hadn't really developed like, you know, I wasn't, you know, in a skillful way expressing 
what I was realizing, I was, I was, I had, um, you know, just this enthusiasm. And entheos means to be filled with spirit. So a number of times during that first year, I got, I got locked up in mental hospitals and told I was crazy. And, you know, and I just thought that was really, really interesting because, you know, I mean, I mean, it was almost like I had descended into the shamanic underworld while I was institutionalized and I was taking notes and I was realizing, oh my God, these psychiatrists are totally out of their mind. And so I was really fortunate in that I didn't get stuck there because a lot of people do who are having awakenings and tragically they'll, they'll just get concretized into a pathological identity and they'll stay their whole life incarnating that. But I was able, it was just so obvious to me from my internal point of view that I was having an awakening that I quickly, you know, got out of that and just continued my awakening. And, um, but I'm still to this day and it's decades later, I'm still dealing with these deep feelings of, you know, of kind of just, you know, whatever, just being upset and angry and by how psychiatry, you know, psychiatry almost, it all literally almost killed me. Like they would have considered it a successful treat, a successful treatment if I had taken on their identity of who they wanted me to be, which was like, oh, Paul's just this lifelong mental patient who's out of his mind. And the fact that I was disagreeing with them, that was proving to them my mental illness. It was such a weird feedback loop that I had fallen into in this, in the psych, you know, the psychiatric community. May we ask? what it was that uh, caused the initiation or was it a, a whole period of events and things? Or oh, sure. No, no, I can answer that really succinctly. Basically it was incredible suffering. And, um, you know, it wound up that my father was, was a very sick man and I was the only child and I was the recipient of him acting out his abuse and passing on, you know, the lineage. And it just created enormous, enormous suffering to the point where, you know, at the, I graduated college, you know, a couple of years before, and I had always been like a really pretty healthy, happy person. And all of a sudden, you know, I just had this overwhelming suffering that I couldn't figure my way out of with my with my mind. And the one thing I found that actually was helping my suffering was just to step back and just to, to observe and just to watch what was happening in my mind. And that's, you know, so then I began just sitting, doing this, you know, this meditation where I was just more and more connecting with being the witness. And I did that hours and hours and hours a day. You know, I had a teacher for a year, you know, for a little bit under a couple of years. And then I got hit by a bolt of lightning, but not out in the sky. It just ignited inside my brain while I was sitting in meditation. And within the next 24 hours, um, my life was never the same. I, you know, and I didn't realize at the time that a lot of like, you know, traditions talk about awakenings, as getting started by, you know, by getting hit by lightning, hmm. you know, lightning strikes. I, I, yeah. See, okay. So, okay. This is once again, difficult to explain, but in my head, this whole bringing light to darkness thing has to do with Prometheus. And I also group Prometheus with like Lucifer and the lightning strike and the Kabbalah and stuff. And how do you see, these deeply rooted, almost negative forces that we have in our mythologies. I mean, could you could you talk about that? Have you come to terms with these things as being? Yeah, no. Well, that's that's what. No, I appreciate that question because that's what made me write my current book, which is like I've been saying this really deep contemplation on the nature of evil, and um, you know. So, I mean, I think it's a big mistake to just ignore, you know, that there's 
these energies that we can we can you know refer to as being evil they're clearly you know these forces at least maybe not in the absolute dimension but like on on the relative reality that we can call evil that are really real that we need to engage with or come to terms with or we're just going to be destroying ourselves which is what we're doing and um what what i point out in the book is that you know these forces the origin of them when you really you know go into what is the the root fundamental origin of them what you discover is a couple of things and that is first off the origin of them is in the psyche and when i say psyche i don't just mean like the brain that's encased in our skull but the psyche it's like this non-local phenomena that has multiple channels so in other words the psyche is in us and we're in the psyche just like when you're in a dream and you recognize you're dreaming and you realize oh my god i'm inside of my own psyche i'm talking about that in the waking life and so on the one hand the origin of the darkness is inside of ourselves and at the same time their fundamental source of this evil is you know is our own clinging and in other words the fact that we cling to an identity pattern, i.e. like an ego or like any sort of this having like um, a reference point, you know, in space and time, and we like actually identify with that and cling to that, and then all of a sudden then there's like self and other, then we're over here and other people are out there and there's a separation, and then you see what happens when you're in a dream and you hold a viewpoint, all of a sudden, what is a dream? It's just a reflection of your viewpoint. So then the dream has no choice but to shapeshift and to instantaneously reflect back and offer evidence confirming your viewpoint, which then makes you even more entrenched in your viewpoint. So then you even see the the world even more that way, and then that dreams up the dream to offer you more proof, you know, and it's a feedback loop that's created by your own mind. And so to the extent that if we identify ourselves as being like um, a skin-encapsulated ego, an entity that's separate from other people, we're going to dream up the evidence to prove that, and then we fall and pray to the genius of, of how we create our own reality, but in a way that isn't serving us. And then when you bring people together who are all under that same spell, that's a collective psychosis, and that's what we're in the midst of now. So what I'm saying is that when you see through that process and you see, oh, wow, it's that clinging on to that I exist in a way that I actually do not, and I can just see through that and step out of that, then I can let my light shine. Then instead of contracting against my infinite brilliance and, and light, I can just let it shine and express itself creatively. And then what happened to evil? Then all of a sudden you you have connected with the deepest power in the universe, which is love and compassion and light and all of those things, and then the idea that evil has any sway over you, it's, it's, it's absurd. Right. It's like the end, of, it's the end of Dark Crystal where the <laughs> <laughs> everything's transformed together and become one. So the, the end of suffering is not something that has come and taken away from you, but it is actually like a place where you get – where mentally you separate yourself from suffering. Well, it's important to dif <coughs> to differentiate because, on the one hand, we have one word, but there's really there's two types of of like you know sort of like suffering. There's like an unproductive suffering, where we're just creating it again and again by our clinging, and that doesn't have any benefit. But then there's suffering that actually is coming to us almost like sent by a higher source, and that's in a way to purify us. 
And that, you know, if we can just really kind of um, be present in that state and have patience, then we're like this gold in a furnace that's getting, like, refined to become 24 karat. So that's a different type. You see, we have one word, but I think there needs to be, we need to create new form of language, maybe just to call one, like, um, a neurotic, unproductive suffering, and then the other one is authentic suffering. And authentic suffering is really in the service of the light and of our of our awakening. The biggest problems we seem to have is the definitions we we give to things, or the the language we use. I mean, that's how the. Well, yeah, we're casting spells by the language. I mean, in my new book, I'm continually creating new words, and I'm talking about the profound importance of the word and of how we create language. And a five <laughs> right names for things because when you think about it, how do you create a word? You you spell it. So when we're creating language, we're actually casting spells. We're actually informing and affecting and influencing other people's consciousness as well as our own. You know, so the idea that to be artists is is to tap into the creative expression of our experience in a way that's actually helping ourselves to become free and helping other people to become free too. Now, see, we are coming up on the end of our 42 minutes here very soon, but this is an important part to point out, the fact that you cannot see or distinguish words or read words in dreams because this is a right brain activity. What's the difference between the right brain and the left brain in this this instance? Well, I'm sorry, can you say that again? What is the difference between the right brain and the left brain? And then this, in this instance, as far as it has to do with language and and what we're talking about, because you're talking about synchronicities happening happening in like uh, a dream-like state, and they're very dream-like symbolism and stuff. But language gets jumbled up and all crazy when you mess with dreams. Right. Well, it can, it can get it, the thing with language. It can get overly just in this like you know the left brain, which is just like this logical, which is cut off from the right brain, which is more the imaginal and the creative imagination, which really it's whose source is the divine. So the idea is, it's not that one is better than the other. The idea is, is that they be interconnected, you know. Add to that technology, and so it, it things are sped up and definitely in flux. Where do you where do you see you know the the future? If you could put your finger on the pulse of things, as far as casting spells, where instead of reading books now that's really super linear, you know things are more fluid and. And, you know, in some instances, we're not even reading anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, the one image that comes up, and, and this is to invoke, um, you, know, if, you know, just the idea of, like, that we all have this, this, this creative, like, an imagination. And so imagine if you are in a dream and you have lucidity in the dream and you actually wake up and you realize you're dreaming, which is that every other character in the dream is just is a dream character, an aspect of yourself. And then imagine that that one of the other dream characters, they also have lucidity, and you come together and you contemplate what you're discovering. And then imagine not just two, but imagine ten of them or a hundred of these, these dream character parts of you, these embodied reflective parts of you that are having the, the, the consciousness that you're having a dream. And you come together and you share what you're realizing, i.e. that this world we're inhabiting is just an actual function of our consciousness. 
And what I'm pointing out is that when there are enough people, at least in, in, you know, when I imagine it, who come together with that realization, they discover, oh, my God, we can change the dream we're having. You know? And what I'm describing, and that's in this night dream, I'm saying that's what's available to us in our waking dream. And that's evolution. And that when there are a sufficient number of us who actually have lucidity, who connect with each other, and put our, it's what I call the sacred power of, of dreaming together, in a way we can actually change this dream, this waking dream we're having. And that's not just some sort of like this new age theory. This is like, you know, like the Buddha said, check it out yourself. It's empirically verifiable. And that's what's really offered to us. And that's the vision that I want to offer, you know. And are you working on anything uh, book-wise right now? Or Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have a ton of articles that I've written that are, I have, I mean, I put out on my website, but I haven't, you know, put in a book. And, you know, I just came out with a new book. And, um, you know, since my book has been out only a few months, there are all so many, uh, you know, it's like every little while I'll, I'll find another, like, wisdom tradition that talks exactly about what I'm pointing at. And so just currently I just found the um the kahuna the the from Hawaii the kahuna tradition um they point out these these mind viruses that I'm you know that I talk about in my book they have a name for them and it's word for word describing exactly what I've been talking about in my book so I'm in the middle of an article talking about that you know Okay well um we'll probably have to have you back and read your book because it sounds fascinating yeah, yeah, no, I can't recommend enough. I mean, if you guys, you know, I feel bad that you you, you haven't you, you haven't even seen the book because I mean, <laughs> you know, people are really kind of affected by it. It's you know, I think something came through. Okay, thank you. You've been listening to Paul Levy on Forty Two Minutes, a production of SyncBook Radio and TheSyncBook.com. More information about the work of Mr. Levy can be found at AwakenInTheDream.com. For more information about the SyncBook, our guest, check out past shows or just subscribe to the podcast via iTunes. Please be sure and visit our website at thesyncbook.com slash 42 minutes. If you like what you hear and would like to support the show, by all means, follow the link on the website to the donation page. Thank you, and have a wonderful Monday. And thank you, Paul. Thank you, guys. That was fun. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah, totally. My pleasure. And just know any way I could be of help, just let me know. Okay, yeah, but we will have to – I mean, I'm, I'm excited. I want to – I'm going to check that book out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I can't believe if you haven't seen the book. I mean, it's it's sort of like a psychedelic. You know, I mean, people are really <laughs> – awesome. no, no, I'm serious. It's like something really came through. And, um, yeah, you know, you should definitely check it out. I've seen it, but, yeah, I, I need to get it now. So thanks a lot. Cool, for sure. Thank you, guys. Yep. Have a great All night. Right. Okay, so take Good care. Night. Okay, you too. Okay. Bye-bye.